Well, I want all teachers to know that it's important to understand your students and understand who they are and not just look at them as students who you just teach on a daily basis, but try to really look into their lives and what they go through. Why are they not turning in missing assignments? Why are they late to school? Why are they not showing up to my class? Just stuff like that because if I was a teacher and you didn't show up to my class, I'll think you don't care about my class and that you don't want to be a part of it. But really, he's getting abused at home. She's getting raped at home. You never know what's going on at home. So I think it's important for teachers to have empathy you know, towards their students and really try to understand their students and what they go through. Hello and welcome to Just Talk, Educational Equity, the podcast about social justice and how it relates to everything education. To lead off, we've heard from a student at the Student Success Center at Maplewood Richmond Heights High School, a public school in the St. Louis area, explaining what he thinks every teacher needs to know. I am your host, Tony Neal. And I'm today's co-host, Deborah Bowman. Let's hear from another student on this question of what she wishes every teacher could know. I want teachers to not necessarily to be more aware, just attempt to be more aware of their students because... A lot of the time, you just see a kid with the hood up, and you just go, oh, that's just a kid who doesn't care. Maybe they're just going through a hard time, and just even the simple, hey, are you okay, like, pull them back means a lot. It shows that somebody cares, or at least they're putting an effort for it. Because you never know what somebody's fighting inside of their head. Like, some kid may have their head down because they're tired, while the other one is just exhausted from fighting. Because that's all that some kids can do, and that's all they feel they're good at. Today's episode is Trauma and Triumph in Schools, Part 2. My first thoughts when I hear these students reflecting on this idea here is to make sure that each teacher sees their students. You know, oftentimes in our trainings we say, I see you, and that is so important. Uh, Many times we walk past students not really recognizing uh, or really acknowledging where they are, uh, that in a particular day in, in terms of their thoughts and what's going on in their life. Um, that was very profound. When we listen to these students talk about that, it's, it is really clear, this is what I need. And when you read all the research about, you know, how do we address uh, trauma, how do we, whether it be for us as adults or for anyone, for students, that connection is the first piece and that relationship has to be there. And so to acknowledge them and to acknowledge who they are and what they're experiencing, just as she's asking us to do, or just as the first student was asking us to do, that's the baseline. Yeah, yeah, I think if we start each class, and you know, often say we, because I'm in the classroom uh, from time to time as well, uh, if we start off with just a listening exercise, you know, kind of what's going on, sit with someone, uh, share some of your thoughts, what your feelings, what's coming up for you, Uh, What are you experiencing? And maybe that's kind of a way to clear the path to really get into some deep listening and to uh, be able to move forward. Right. When I was, um, the last couple years of uh, teaching, I started doing an attendance question to start off every single class period. And it was, the students would decide what the attendance question was. And so instead of me starting with the uh, highly productive do now that a lot of people do, instead I let the students just weigh in. And the attendance question might be, what's your favorite color? And every single student in the room would answer the question, um, you know, in turn, before the teacher weighs in, like, you're first, students, you're first. And it was a chance for me to sort of register, you know, how is this person feeling? Is this person passing today? Is this person 
um, in a great mood today. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes the students would come up with really heavy things like, you know, what was your biggest challenge that you had to encounter over the past week? Yeah, there are all types of processes that we can put in place just to mm -hmm. check in with students. You mm -hmm. know, uh, a word for the day uh, in the beginning. You know, I often do that sometimes in our trainings. Just mm -hmm. one word that describes where you are. And that kind of lets you know, you know, what a student might be feeling at a particular time. Another avenue is journaling. You know, many students are, they don't want to, they don't, they're not in a space to give voice to whatever's going on in their life, but they can write it down. So uh, providing opportunities for students to just journal. Yeah, and when we value that, when we recognize the importance of that to their academic success, you know, then we can start thinking about what are those practices that are going to work for us. In our previous episode, we heard from Travis Williams, an educator skilled in trauma-informed practices. Travis told us about what it means to provide students with trauma-informed education and how he supports it in his setting in an alternative high school and an in-school release setting. Travis works at a small public school district in the St. Louis area called Maplewood Richmond Heights. Today in this special episode, we're hearing from some of Travis's students as they discuss learning in a trauma-informed educational setting. Yes, uh, certainly. You know, trauma, even the term trauma-informed schools is a new term that uh, I would say has kind of come into play over the last two or three years. So we, we never really talked about trauma in schools uh, However, you know, we know that today many students or I would say almost every student in schools has experienced trauma to some level. So we can talk about levels of trauma. Uh, so I don't want to uh, separate trauma from social justice because they are very much interwoven together. Uh, we, talk to, we talk about trauma and students arriving at school uh, experiencing all types of pain, hurt, uh, things that have happened to them sometimes in the wider world, things that have happened in school settings, things that have happened in social circles. Uh, there are all types of places and spaces in which trauma uh, students experience trauma. And so what does that mean for the school setting? What does that mean for social justice? Uh, and certainly we can look at how that plays out around race, around class, around sexual orientation, around some of the other areas that we see in the school system, and how do we start to create spaces of healing for students to move through uh, that trauma in order to um, become more productive in, in their schoolwork and more productive citizens in the wider world. So I, I think they both go together. Certainly, um, we have a, a, a lot of... Uh, cut that out. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. So certainly, um, you know, when schools are talking about cutting programs, a lot of times some of the programs that really benefit students and help them through those trauma situations are the programs that are cut out. And sometimes that are, those are social programs where students really feel safe in being able to share some of their experiences and stories uh, and not just focus in on the academic part. Certainly schools, is, schools are put in place to focus on the academic part. However, if we don't move through the trauma and get through some of the hard things that students are experiencing, we can never really, uh, the student will never benefit from the, the learning that needs to take place in the classroom and the teaching that needs to happen. And so, you know, it's kind of a balancing act. And I'm really glad to see a lot of schools addressing trauma, a lot of schools getting into the restorative uh, justice uh, scene as well, which also sometimes helps with uh, the trauma 
and moving through the whole social justice piece. One of the things that we know happens is that um, sometimes students who are um, experiencing uh, difficulties with trauma um, get misdiagnosed as having ADHD Mm -hmm. because some of the things some of the impacts of trauma on the brain have some of the same influences as, as someone with ADHD. So these students can be impulsive. They are uh, acting out with anger or other strong emotions, anxiety issues. Um, they have difficulty regulating their emotions and their behavior. Mm-hmm. And then that is misdiagnosed. But as we learned from uh, hearing from Travis Williams in our previous episode, um, trauma does... a impact the brain in a way that it creates a poor executive center access. Oh, yes, yes. yes. And so um, it's really important for us to, to recognize some students are going to need more supports in that area. And if you can address that, then you don't have to you know, put them into another program that's just not right for them. Yeah, I think uh, there should be more uh, money going into some of these programs that are needed to address trauma and to uh, even address some of the issues that uh, students find very hard or difficult to deal with, you know, which may not be trauma-related, may be trauma-related. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it requires some intensive supports. Um, let's hear some more from these students, but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about how we collected these student voices. Um, so when we uh, had... We're talking about having Travis Williams on the uh, podcast and um, talking about his very specific program and very specific practices um, and how we always try to include a student voice in the program and and Travis uh, volunteered to take the recorder. We realized that this was an opportunity for us to hear not just from a single student's voice, but maybe from a lot of students. So um, Travis connected with uh, the students and teachers in the program and discovered they were interested in participating and in, in putting their voice into this conversation. He got clearance from all the administrative layers in his school and his district. And so they came up with these recordings. These were done on site at the Student Success Center. And um, it's some of the conversations come from a student-led dialogue without any adult in the room. Sometimes you hear a teacher-led uh, Q&A session. There was about an hour and a half of conversation that they shared with us, and we have just picked out the highlights here. Um, the listeners should know that we have scrubbed names from this uh, from these recordings, so you may sometimes hear uh, a sound instead of a name, but that was uh, something we wanted to do to, to respect student privacy. Right. Sounds good. So where do we start? Uh, Let's listen to these students explain why it's important for educators to understand trauma and its impact on students. Anyone that walks in our classrooms and our spaces might have been through trauma. Um, Why do you guys think that's important? I think it's important because, like, um, last year with, like, it was my first year here, I was still at the high school, and the pep rally had just gotten so intensely loud, I started to have a really bad panic attack, and it just kind of sent me back into that headspace. And um, one of the teachers wasn't letting me to leave to go into the hallway so I could block myself out. So I think if, like, teachers, like, kind of understood more about, like, every person goes through, like, different levels of it, it would help a lot. 
Um, I agree with that a lot because um, although it gives kids sort of the lenient behavior of doing whatever they want, like just as long as you know how to go about dealing with trauma, um, it's really important. And I know not everybody has trauma. Like some kids come to school and they don't even understand what it means. So it's just important for everybody in general to be aware of the topic and everybody kind of goes through like different levels of it like for um for some people a really traumatic event could just be their parents getting divorced like that could be intensely hard on them and so like there's very varying levels of it and people that i don't think necessarily like realize about it yeah i agree with that because not everybody feels stuff the same way you do so somebody getting their knee scraped could hurt more than another person like you never know it's just really different for everybody that's why I personally like to treat everybody different because everybody is a different person everybody needs different things and I think it's good to be aware and like to have knowledge on trauma because you never know at school some people might have triggers like you said or go through those bad experiences but it's good to just know about it because you never know what people go through or what trigger them yeah, I, I like the fact that students are talking about different levels of trauma and how there are certain things that could trigger uh, one student that might not trigger another student. I think that's really important that teachers are able to identify the different triggers. This next section, um, students are going to talk about triggers they experience at school. Um, that maybe like, you know, was just an a normal occurrence, but for you it was triggering and it reminded you of a previous trauma in your life. Slamming lockers. Teachers yelling. Raising hands, like just the fast motion of it. Um, whenever people like asking me a whole bunch of questions at once, or like people gathering me around, around me, it's just like too much. Ordinary occurrences in school, people raising hands. Right, who would ever thought, you know, but I can understand how that can be traumatic um slamming lockers yeah wow mm -hmm. so you can see why life in an ordinary school can be uh really painful for people uh who are dealing with trauma um the next clip a student describes what life at school would be like without her safe space and this alternative program that considers her emotional needs oh uh, well without this program um i think i'd be then here are more students reflecting with peers on what life would be like if they weren't in the program. What would what do you guys think it would be like if you guys weren't over here but at the high school? Like what would the difference be? <laughs> Probably screwed, that's what that would be. If I were at the high school, I would I don't even want to say this. I yeah, either I'd be in BD or I'd be dead, honestly, because like just coming over here has helped with my mental illnesses like so much. I've grown so much from being over here. Like not even like just having the help of the teachers, but like they teach me how to like do it myself, like love myself the way I want to be loved. Um, so self-regulation, you know, they the students aren't using that term, but that clearly is uh, what they're experiencing. Yeah, and 
empowerment. Yes. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, we have two more sections now hearing from Travis Williams, our guest from episode four. And here he's asking this group of students to explain the rituals and routines that they open with each day. That's one of the um, big components that, you know, if you're going to produce trauma-informed school settings, you have to provide students with those rituals and routines that sort of soothe that that brain activity and so that they can sort of you know, move into this safe and secure space where they can open up that executive center, what he referred to as zipping up. What's a circle? Um, a circle is when we um, all circle up and um, we do our check-ins, like um, a temperature check, like one through five. And um, we just, we just uh, talk about like positives and things that are going on in our world and we have a class handshake can I ask you another question uh-huh. what do you see as the benefit to doing the temperature check and the check-ins um, to see where we're at and What's the benefit to checking in? Why why do we do that? Uh, I think it's mostly to see where we're at and to um, like to see what we're like capable of doing that day. Have you noticed any routines that we do down here? Uh, yeah, we first start off with unplugging a little bit of music to like uplift us, and then blue book. For a new student, what's unplugging? Unplugging, like you turn your phone in, stuff like that. Uh, don't get on your computer, and then, uh, then we do our journals, blue books, um, and then after that we do mindfulness. Then uh, we do circle. Cool. And then and recently we do tennis, <laughs> and and also the. So, Tony, what were some of the things that you liked about those practices? Well, I think mindfulness is a, a, a practice that we're seeing used more in schools. We've even gotten some calls at our office around mindfulness activities. I think that's good. Uh, I see the circles. That's part of restorative justice or restorative practices that individuals are using. So those practices are always helpful. Uh, and then just um, being in a place where you center uh, yourself or get students to center themselves as well as um, you know just finding a space to just ground yourself and to maybe sometimes sit in silence so all of those practices are obviously beneficial to what's happening in that that district and the students feel like they are they belong in that program they're very engaged uh, and they they really are think that that program is a special place or something's happening for them that's uh, creating a safe, courageous space for them. Yes, and all of these things connect to the brain research that says, you know, how do we get to that executive center and also has to do with uh, promoting the relationship, yeah. like the class handshake. 
Right, right. You know, I I love that idea. You know, what the other part that's really good is that as they move from the district, they can utilize some of those tools out on their own. You know, I don't I'm not for sure whether students are going to be pursuing college or some going into trades or things of that nature, but wherever they are, they can utilize those tools. That's absolutely true. Uh, we have another conversational snippet coming up here. This is one where students are alone in the room going through some of our questions, and this dialogue is happening without any adult there, and they start talking exactly about uh, what you mentioned, Tony, self-regulation and real-life applications for these mindfulness practices. So uh, let's listen in while they uh, talk about what these things mean to them. Well, I think it's a good thing that we have those, like the chill zone, all of that, and it's just like a, a process, like if you're not feeling good, you check in. If you not, if you like overslept or you late night in a good mood, you go to the reflection, go to the um, chill zone. I think it's good to like, to have those kind of, um, what am I looking for? Have those kind of things in place. It's just cool to have. I think it's good. I feel like it's a really big. Um, you're you're so much aware of yourself. Yeah. You're so much more aware, and so when you do get to a place where you are unstable and unfit to like be in a work environment. You can self-regulate regulate yourself. Like, it's not like, oh, you're going to get in trouble for having emotions. It's mm-hmm. like, it literally teaches you to be in the real-world situation. Like, if you were in a job, you can you can take the things that you've learned from here and yeah. be like, okay, I just need a couple seconds to collect myself, and yeah. then I'll be good. Like, it's, that's what the chill zone basically teaches. And I'm glad you brought the real world because, like, and another thing I kind of disagree and agree with is, like, with the when you check in on our colors, like, if you're on red, you're obviously angry and mad about something. You don't know you have an okay day. And green, you're feeling great. Um, and that's just kind of like a way of communicating with us that you're not in a good mood. But I think in the real world, you know, if you're at a job and you work with people you don't like, or you're somewhere in the real world, that you, you can't just put a, put a color on the board. You have to literally verbally communicate with that person, that human being, let them know, hey, I'm not a good move, leave me alone today, not disrespectful, but I just think that can be something we can always get better at, rather than putting colors up and learn how to communicate verbally with people. I know sometimes, you know, it's not, you're not already in a place to do that, but that really helped you. Well, if I walk in a red, in a red mood, I just can say, you know, today I'm not feeling good, guys, I can leave me alone, I walk up to the reflection room. But I just think it, it worked both ways. It's good communication both ways. You know, I'm wondering if school districts could maybe do some training uh, in some of the places of employment where some of those students are working because it sounds like if you know you entered a job and you're having some emotional setbacks or you're having some feelings if there's a chill zone that you can chill out for five minutes or ten minutes that will keep you engaged and keep you keep you gainfully employed and whatever that might be that could be very helpful uh, for those students that may have a little after-school job or weekend job um, because I know there are many students, or not many, but there are some students that I know of that have been let go because they came to work with an attitude or uh, they they were just in a bad mood. And, you know, while we are talking about schools, are we, I think part of the trauma that, that are things that add to the trauma is that you go to work and then you're not in a good mood and you get fired or your boss comes down on you and that adds to the trauma. Uh, you're thinking, you know, I'm not good enough or what did I do wrong or I'm a bad person. And so if, you know, we could kind of secure all those spaces that students operate in, whether it's school and the family and the places of employment and the faith community, so that each place 
that student has a, a, a chill zone, if you will, or uh, can utilize some of his or her skills uh, to bring them back centered. Yeah, I really like the way this student recognized that to say, you know, how am I going to bring this into the, my future? You know, they, my employer might not want to hear about my red zone that I'm experiencing today. Absolutely. But, you know, where, where am I going to move with that? Yeah. Um, I just a little side note here that I'm getting a kick out of, because you can tell these are real teenagers in a setting where they feel comfortable because yes. you can hear them eating. <laughs> They've got the snacks going. Yeah. yeah, it's it's great to, you know, hear them really in their home environment, their their school home. Um, we have a section here now where they're going to talk about each other and uh, the importance of a community of peers. The uh, idea to your lessons is nice because you actually told everyone about your goal, so you feel like an obligation to complete your goal. And I also used to be late to school a lot, but now because I feel bad about disrupting this closely knitted class, I come here despite the fact that I'd rather sleep and be late on purpose. <laughs> okay, none of us has like had a freak out and like exploded or anything on anybody, but like what do you think would happen if one of us if there was an explosion? Like do you think we would get through it? What do you mean what do you mean explosion like through? Like an argument. What, when you, a really hard argument. Like, well I think like me so me me and you didn't have an argument that day. But kind of how me and you came, I came to you to want to talk and come up with a solution. Because I feel like whenever you make something wrong, you make something wrong, I feel like you have to make it right. So I think mm-hmm. by simply having a conversation upstairs, like really helped to resolve the conflict that we was having. So I think just simply talking about it and not just holding grudges and holding it against that person for eternity. But just coming to common ground and finding clarity, clarity and having a conversation. But I also it. meant like either something small, like something that triggers you and like you might explode and like start freaking out and breaking down. Well, if an argument... I think this entire like yeah. house would be able to get up, like help the person who broke down get over it fairly quickly just yeah. because we all have like an awareness Support of everybody them, yeah. having um, like emotional needs. Or at some experience. Some experience. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I like when the gentleman remarked, when you make something wrong, you have an obligation to make it right. You know, that's just taking responsibility for uh, your actions. Uh, That was was very good, very good insight. And I like the way that they feel accountable to each other. Yeah. I'm going to get up and go to school because I belong to this community and they're counting on me to show up. Right. That's a sense of uh, belonging, a sense of I'm valued here, I'm empowered here. And wouldn't it be great if every classroom uh, had that going on? Yeah. The last topic we're going to hear about from our students is how much they love um, their staff that they work with there. Um, They gave me about 90 minutes of recordings, and I'll bet 30 minutes of it was them talking about how much love they feel from the teachers there. So I just took one section with all that love in it, and so we're going to hear some of that now. Great. Like you said, teacher perspective, like some teachers like do their job, focus on their job, getting the grades done, teaching their kids. And a lot of people have family members. Like people think you like you have family that can deal with your problems like that. But some kids don't have safe environments at home. Like some some people can't go home and just get that loving that they need from their mom and dad. And some people don't have mom and dads. And some people just don't have that support that you will you will usually would have. You know, so that's why I just it's just a losing situation because you're going to school having problems, and, and you, you still have problems, and then 
it's just a cycle of problems, yeah. you know, digging yourself deeper. Go so, I mean, I think we all need, you know, that extra love and support. If we have more love in our lives, more support, you know, somebody to talk to, you know. You know, I just think it's important to get that love. Some people don't have the love that they need, you know, and I love... If you have love, love can solve a lot of things, you know. That's why it's so good to be, that's why I like that said, Sika has so much love and support here. You know, I, and some people don't have that at home. And so coming to school to get it is just amazing, you know. And I'm not saying all of you that at home, but at home I have some people to talk to, I have counseling, I do. But it just, it's just good to have that love, you know what I'm saying? Come to SSC, have the support that you don't normally get, you know. That's something that I appreciate about the SSC. And at the high school, you don't get that. Because too many teachers are focused on teaching their kids and, they can't show you the love that you that you want that you need because there's a lot of kids to be dealt with. I um I noticed that at the end of the year when we have seniors um you know do their speeches at the end mm -hmm. on, the, on our senior celebration day, um they always describe the SSC um, alternative programs as as a family. Um, I hear that word like all the time and in, in, in the in their closing remarks. And so I wanted to ask you guys, what, how do you, why do you think they're able to use that word talking about a school setting? What is it, a, what happens here in these spaces that makes it feel like a family? I think well, we're kind of oh. set up like in a house for one, so that kind mm -hmm. of like helps with it. But like, um, I think it was yesterday when we were talking downstairs, um, we were saying how like, we don't, view you guys as just teachers like yeah you guys are teachers but we look at you as like just like our friends like our family it's we don't have to worry about judgment or like having to censor ourselves entirely because like we can, we have issues like everybody in this entire world who's living has some sort of issue that a lot of the time people internalize and to have a support system who is a bit more like knowledgeable and may help with like giving advice or just wording things differently because they may have experienced that. It does wonders. And I mean, we have every single student's picture on the wall like a family does. It just makes this entire place feel like home. Yeah, what Scott said, you know, like building a close connection with all the teachers. You know, like I was walking in there and Nicole, you picked me up. Like that's what family do. I'll kind of see no other teacher in high school doing that for me. So it's just like that, you know, we laugh, we get into it. What family do that? So. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is like yeah. a family. <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> we can have an argument and then like 20 minutes later it's worked out. Oh, yeah. in like a separate room and we'll talk it out. We'll be fine. Or or I can come in and be like, okay, can you help me with this math problem now that I'm done being mad at you? <laughs> yeah, I, I hear the word love. I hear the word family. I hear the word uh, creating an atmosphere of belonging. Uh, all those are common threads that I, I hear in the students' remarks. And actually, they're all qualities or uh, things that should be present in every classroom. And obviously, uh, they're present in this particular house, this particular uh, setting. I, I really appreciate how they express themselves, and uh, I'm really grateful that they uh, brought their experiences so honestly and openly to us. When Travis Williams was our guest in episode four, he gave us some good resources for trauma-informed education organizations and books. Uh, we invite you to check out our website for those recommendations. Ultimately, I would say one of the resources evident to us in this episode is our very own students. When we're listening to them closely, when we see them, 
uh, we learn how to serve them better. Here's just one last conversation Travis recorded for us with his students as a good way for us to uh, close out today. Okay, so a walk and talk. Do you feel like your voice is valued here? Yes. Why? How? How do you know it is? Because you guys listen and you give us feedback. And um, you guys don't judge people on what they say. Fair enough. This has been Tony Neal, your host. And Deborah Bullman, today's co host and podcast producer and director. Bringing you Just Talk Educational Equity. Special thanks go out to the students and staff at the Student Success Center and Maplewood Richmond Heights School District for sharing with us today. Listeners, we appreciate that you joined us for this episode, and we invite you to share your comments, questions, and suggestions on our website at eec4justice.com and leave us an email there on our contact page. Also, and this is important, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please find us on iTunes and leave us a rating. Uh, We want to help people find us, and they can do that. When you rate us, we appreciate your support. Just Talk has been brought to you by Educational Equity Consultants, a company that provides training to build the capacity of individuals, schools, and other organizations to address racism in ways that enable all people to reclaim their inherent nobility and intelligence. Recording, editing, music, and logo provided by Alvin Zamudio. So if you're a teacher or school leader, a student, a parent, or a community member concerned about social justice, please remember, just just talk. talk.